athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. I'll tell you what, a couple of things I'm absolutely glad to be with you, uh, I, but I'm absolutely disgusted. I, I'm, I'm disgusted because of what I watched on Monday Night Football. The Redskins just embarrassed themselves as they have done so many times on national TV, on Monday Night Football, and just got, I mean, blown out. I mean, I know the score ultimately was 31 to 15 by the Bears. But it really wasn't as close as that score may indicate. The Redskins are awful. They can't get anything. Well, I'm not going to say they can't or haven't been able to get anything established offensively. I mean, they've been they they were bad um, against the Bears. But the defense, I I, I'm, I was trying to give them a pass in the first game against Philadelphia. Less the two big plays by Deshaun Jackson. They played reasonably well, although. I mean, I, I would say that Deshaun Jackson played with you for three years. So you got to know that that guy's a deep threat. That's basically the only thing he did while in Washington was catch big passes down the field. They tried to use him in bubble screens and all of that, and that just didn't work. And to even though I know it's a new defensive coordinator since D Jax was there. I mean, you got to you got to know how this guy plays. You got to be able to scheme this guy. And they couldn't do that. So I tried to give them a pass in the Philadelphia game. But, nah, no pass. It's just a bad, bad situation all the way around. I've got some thoughts on the Washington Redskins, uh, where that franchise is right now. I mean, you're talking about glory days. I mean, the 80s, the Redskins were were at almost as good as it gets. Had it not been for the 49ers winning three Super Bowls, you you could have looked at the Skins as the team of the decade. I mean, maybe they're second. I know that in the 80s, you had the Raiders also won two Super Bowls. The Redskins went to three Super Bowls, perennial contenders. So, I mean, they would have been second uh, team best team in the 80s i mean you can make an argument for that and really it was it was uh it was three super bowls um the skins um won two of those super bowls but <laughs> i mean that was 30 years ago plus and the franchise is just in bad shape so bad to the point that they couldn't even get it right with one of their all-time great players as they honored him at halftime, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So while I may be disgusted with the Redskins, 
I'm not disgusted about life. I'm not disgusted about the show. Feeling pretty good. Glad you've joined us today on the program. Got a good show for you as we try to have for you uh, each time we come to you on Box to Row. And as a matter of fact, hope you've been checking out the HBCU Football Daily Podcasts uh, where we've talked about a, a number of different things. Uh, as a matter of fact, since June the 18th when we started previewing all 51 of the schools that play HBCU football and we've been going Monday through Friday every since I hope you've been or ever since I hope you've been enjoying that Donald Hill Ely is the head football coach at Alabama State he's going to join us here I'm from the press box to press row on today the Hornets have a bye week coming off a big win against Grambling huge win against Grambling first conference game for both and Alabama State gets the victory and a bye. So Donald Hill Ely going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, going to preview the Box to Row National Game of the Week. Arkansas Pine Bluff is hosting Southern. Been talking about Arkansas Pine Bluff all year, and even before the year started, they are, uh, the, the, the Golden Lions have won three straight football games Big win last uh, at the as the clock expired last week against Tennessee State. Huge win for Arkansas Pine Bluff, even though it was a non-conference game. What to me it showed, and I realize Tennessee State may not be playing that great of football right now, but still Tennessee State can score points. Obviously, the defense just isn't there right now. But to be able to get that win against that program, considering that when these two teams have met in the past, it's been all Tennessee State. That's a huge win, but a big test. And the thing about Arkansas Pine Bluff right now, the game against Southern on Saturday is the first of four straight home games. That's unheard of. Four straight home games for Arkansas Pine Bluff. It begins on Saturday as the Southern Jaguars, who need a win badly. Southern coming off. Um, a loss to Florida A&M last week, and so Southern looking for the win. And again, it's it's each week, each week, Arkansas Palm Bluff is showing what it's made of. They're taking steps each and every week. Is this the week that they can take the step in that Southern Division? We're gonna find out. I'm gonna preview the matchup between Arkansas Pine Bluff and Southern. Gonna look at some other games. Speaking of Grambling, they've got uh, uh, the Tigers have a big game on Saturday, the State Fair Classic in Dallas, as they're going to take on the Prairie View A&M Panthers, who are also uh, coming off a loss. It's there are two. These are two teams that need to win badly. I mean, at least for the Panthers, they already have a win in in not only in SWAC play, but in division play against Texas Southern to open the season. Grambling is 0-4. Who would have thought that Grambling would be 0-3 on the season? So this is a big game for both teams, probably bigger for Grambling. Uh, and so, listen, uh, the State Fair Classics is big. We're going to talk maybe a little bit about that today on the program as well. Also want to talk about the St. Augustine situation as St. Augustine's relieved head football coach Tim Chavis of his duties. I want to talk a little bit about that as well 
and just some of what happened or what I know that if that has happened behind that. I, I, I didn't I didn't talk with Tim Chavis, but we text and he gave me his side of things. So I want to uh, talk a little bit about that, maybe athletics as a whole, because I think this Tim Chavis and St. Augustine's situation deals with where schools are from an athletic standpoint and a financial standpoint. Are there necessary resources in place for more specifically HBCUs and not to point out all HBCUs, but HB, since this is, you know, since we place a major emphasis on HBCU sports, are there nece- at all levels, at the NAIA level, at the Division II level, at the FCS level, are the resources in place? And if they aren't in place, should you consider doing something else from an athletic standpoint? I mean, that's a huge question. Look at Stillman. Stillman decided uh, a couple of years ago this is not working out for us at the NCAA level. Even though they had had, I think they they, they brought or uh, Stillman had brought the football program back in 1999, had, you know, not I wouldn't call it success, but they like they they had some decent years. Stillman had some the Tigers had some decent years, decided it wasn't working out even in last year where they won the SIAC championship um, in uh, baseball. And I don't know if they maybe they won it in basketball the, the year before that. They, the men's basketball program had won it. It was pretty successful, but they decided eh, athletics just isn't for us. At the NCAA level, all of the various resources that you need, they decided to go in a different direction. So I want to talk about that and the Tim Chavis St. Augustine's situation as well. Your thoughts always want to take your thoughts here on from the press box to press row. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W. Also on Facebook B O X the number two R O W. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter account uh, and uh, Instagram, as a matter of fact. Been trying to keep up with that Instagram account as much as possible. I am at dware one Thank you to all the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. For instance, WURK-FM in Tampa, who carries the program. Thank you very much, wurk how about WJXY Rejoice 103.5 and 1200 out of that Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area? Thank you for carrying from the press box to press row. How about our friends down in Ada Bina, Mississippi, WVSD? They've been carrying WVSD has been carrying the program. Wow. I don't know. Eight, nine years or so. Thank you, WVSD, for carrying the program. Want to thank those listening to us also on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those listening to us around the world at box to Let Let me get into the Tim Chavis and St. Augustine situation. Um, t- ultimately, I, I was reading some reports and actually Tim Chavis started things out basically by on his social one of his social media pages and he ultimately took it down. He. Um, basically blasted the a uh, more or less blasted the AD um, for St. Augustine's about the fact that he was relieved of his duties as the head football coach of St. Augustine's. He took that, but it was captured. So he took that uh, post down, but it was captured. 
And so I'm looking around like, man, what's going on? I'm looking at Twitter. So I reached out to him. I text him. He gave me, in essence, a statement that said that it was the board of directors that ultimately decided to relieve him of his duties because uh, essentially, um, I, I, according to him, he expected he said that the board of directors expected him to be a compliance person. In other words, you know, I've been talking about, well, why is St. Augustine's getting blown out? That's because they had a lot of players that were not eligible or have not been cleared to play. And that is generally the job of a compliance director. August, late August is when St. Augustine's ultimately got a full-time compliance director. The, the, the compliance director probably is as important a job as any job in athletic administration. They're the ones that make sure that the student athletes are straight, that they're eligible, that they can play. So if they're not eligible, you have them on your roster, you can get penalized for that. That's their job. Well, guys weren't playing. Apparently parents complained. Um, they ultimately, meaning the board, according, and this is according to Tim Chavis, there's two sides to every, every story. According to him, they held him responsible for that and ultimately decided to, in fact, let him go. And, uh, you know, he, he, he seems to be in good spirits, uh, well, as good as you can be about it, but it speaks to a bigger question. There, why wasn't there a, uh, a full-time compliance person in place. Um, he also mentioned there wasn't, and again, this is from him, two sides to every story. There also wasn't a, uh, a, a, a strength and conditioning coach in place as well. Let me do this. I want to step aside. I want to take a break. I'm going to come back. Again, I've laid the groundwork for you as it relates to St. Augustine's and Tim Chavis. Now let's talk about resources needed at HBCUs to run successful athletics programs. More from the press box to press row on the other side. You're listening to from the press box to press row. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Alabama State head football coach Donald Hill Ely. The Hornets are off this weekend, 2-2 two and two on the season. Re-entered both the Box to Row coaches and media polls coming off that 23-20 victory over Grambling State to start the season this past, or the SWAC season, I should say, this past Saturday. So getting back, to the St. Augustine's and Tim Chavis situation. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I want to talk about something that may be a bigger issue with respect to HBCUs and athletics. And as I mentioned, two sides to every story. I gave you Tim Chavis's side from what he gave me. And what I told you is directly from what he gave me personally. Um, I asked St. Augustine's uh, for its side of the story. And I was told to look at the press release, couldn't talk about, couldn't talk any more about it. And essentially St. Augustine's is standing beside its press release, which essentially leads in to say that the the title SAU names interim head football coaches, um, Okessa Smith and Reginald Cooper were named interim head football coaches. Now, I've never heard of 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 two head football coaches, not and not even co head football coaches, 
two uh, co-football coaches. Um, I do find it interesting. They uh, did allude to uh, some comments made by the athletics director at St. Augustine's George Williams, um, who says, quote, within the Department of Athletics, goals and expectations are set for each team. Athletes must meet requirements for eligibility from the institution, the CIAA and the NCAA, uh, NCAA to participate. Unfortunately, achieving eligibility is not always easy and our expectations are not always met. It is times like these that we have to reevaluate and make changes that we feel are necessary. Goes on to say this has happened with the football program and we feel that a change has to take place immediately. Our primary, our primary interest is always the well-being of the student of the students, um, which is interesting because, again, it's open to conjecture. You're open to only one side of this equation. I mean, first of all, if I read this press release, I wouldn't even know what it's alluding to. I mean, now I happen and I've told you or giving you Tim Chavis's side of things. So I think what St. Augustine's did was responded to something that Tim Chavis said. And so to me, this press release is more of a response to what was said as opposed to where it really stands. I think a lot of times, especially at our institutions, we need to, we need to say what it is. We need to answer Questions. We don't like to answer questions. We like to kind of sweep things under the rug. I'm not just talking about St. Augustine's. I'm talking about in general. And I think sometimes you have to answer questions directly. Tim Chavis has said that they're uh, up until maybe August, uh, the latter part of August, there was no full time um, uh, uh, compliance director, which is a problem. You have to be able to certify student athletes that's not enough time you have not just the football program you have all of the i think it's 12 um athletic programs that saint augustine's has so you have to have I mean, and and you have volleyball cross country that are in uh season essentially now so these student athletes have to be um have to be uh, have to be certified and if you look at Coming into the season, I mean, St. Augustine's did not have a good season at all last year. I think two and eight or one and nine, something like that. But in 2017, the Falcons challenged for that Western Division crown. It was a good season for St. Augustine's. I think it was just a a, a situation where uh, the Falcons, Tim Chavis, playing with a lot of young guys last year that were going to be good, I think, this year maybe wouldn't have won the Western division. It's not still to say that the, that St. Augustine's can't, but I think, you know, at this point, I mean, especially if you still have guys that are ineligible, um, you know, or not, not, or, or not certified, they're not ready to play. Not that they're ineligible for the whole season, but not ready to play right now. I mean, what is that going to look like moving forward? But I think with how St. Augustine's addressed it, I, I think you're again, you're open to believe what you want to believe. I, and I'll just say flat out, you know, I, I, I'm not taking sides on this thing. I will say that that Tim Chavis is a good dude. Um, I've had a chance to get to know him a little bit over the last couple of years or so. Um, I think that if what he's saying is true, that there was not a full time um, 
uh, compliance director. I think that is a huge issue. I think, in essence, the quotes that I read say, I mean, in essence, to me, says that you're relying upon the football program to certify players. I looked at any number of the players that were stars last year. Uh, you didn't see them in the box score. So it leads me to believe that a lot of those players that would have made significant contributions to this football team to this point were not available. The Falcons are 0-3 on the season. And I've worked in athletic administration uh, for various schools, not just on the FCS or D2 level, on the FBS level um, as well. And you have to have the resources. You have to have a compliance director, I mean, in place. Um, if, if there were no, and not that, that this doesn't have anything to do with the, with the academic side of things, but, I mean, if you don't have also a uh, strength and conditioning uh, person in place, that's a problem um, as well. I, I've, I've said this on the show many times. Um, it's not the football coach's responsibility necessarily from an academic standpoint overall. I think where the football coach has to step in is make sure A that his students are going to class. I think so I think B also it should be incumbent upon the football staff to have study halls, especially where the resources are lacking. The other things in terms of, you know, grades and all of that those are those are things that an academic coordinator uh, in an athletics department would be responsible for. Um, so to expect, and I can only go by what Tim Chavis has said to this point, um, that the football coaches should can certify players. I don't even think that, you know that academic person or the compliance director is the in essence the liaison between the university. And the NCAA, making sure that student athletes are in compliance. And, you know, I just think that this this situation is really, um, really a shame. I think, um, you know, uh, ultimately and, and hopefully um, um, it, 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 it resolves itself out. I don't think that um, Tim Chavis has any ill will towards the university either. But it speaks sort of to a, a bigger deal here and that is resources or perhaps lack thereof at our various institutions i mentioned stillman they said we got to get out of this ncaa game it's not for us they decided to move um to naia um also you can look at savannah state savannah state was playing at the fcs level had been in i think believe first went independent in the fcs realm or it was known as one double a back then it was either 1998 or 1999. Uh, ultimately joined the MEAC um, as a full-time member in 2011, and then decided that uh, it decided we need to go back down to Division Two. It's not working. Um, I thought that with at least Savannah State, it was able to, and, and that was sort of puzzling. I mean, you look at Savannah, Georgia. It's a beautiful city. Should be a, a, a decent ground for being able to recruit athletes. I thought that the uh, the men's basketball program and what Horace Broadnack was able to achieve there was on the right track. The women's program, I think, I think the women's program may have won a MEAC tournament championship. The baseball program for sure did. And the football program, while it was getting beat down, uh, was making money. Uh, well, it, it was bringing in revenue. Let me put it out. Not necessarily making money, but bringing in revenue for the program and for the athletics program. And by the way, 
had been doing so since 99 or the 98 or 99 season when it was admitted as a provisional member of one AA or now uh, FCS. But I think if you don't have the necessary resources in place to compete at the level in which you're competing in, then you need to reassess what it is that you're doing. I mean, I just think that's the bottom line with all of our institutions. I mean, you know, it's I know a lot of times we're lacking a lot of maybe the facilities and so forth that other institutions have. But I think the commitment it, it, athletics at the end of the day on 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 our level is more of a recruiting. It is in matter of fact, it's pretty much a recruiting mechanism. It's not necessarily going to be a money maker. You're going to have various events like homecomings that are going to make money, but it's a recruiting mechanism, particularly at the FCS level. Look at the deal that the MEAC has with ESPN and most of the MEAC games are on the ESPN platform, whether that's ESPN three ESPN plus whatever the case may be, you have some, you know, some sometimes there are other uh, networks that pick up games as well. Uh, so it's a recruiting tool at the FCS level and at the Division two level. It's definitely a recruiting tool, less of a money maker uh, or a revenue generator at that level. Now, you're going to have some schools that are able to uh, to generate some uh, to generate some revenue. But listen, my thing is. If you're not at the level that you need to be to have resources in place, to have a compliance director, a compliance director, to have a strength and conditioning coach, to have what it takes to run an athletics department properly, then maybe you need to reassess your program. I'm just talking about saying, guys, I'm not pointing them out in this instance per se. What has happened there has led me to say what I'm saying now, I mean, if you if you don't have the resources in place, maybe rethink uh, your athletics positioning, your thoughts. I mean, I've said that before. When you look at a lot of the schools that are on this APR list uh, each and every year, especially as it relates to football, football is the is is generally the one that's going to generate revenue for your athletics department. And if your football program can't even compete in the celebration bowl uh, or can't compete for a conference championship, then, you know, what's the point? I mean, what is the point? And hopefully um, if you're going to have an athletics program at that level, then uh, you know, you'll look at that and then put the necessary resources into that. Jackson state's a prime example. Um, a lot of APR issues have fixed those issues now where, where the uh, program are excelling, particularly football in the academic realm. Your thoughts hit me up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W or on Twitter uh, or Facebook B O X the number two R O W Donald Hill Illy, the head football coach at Alabama state is up next Donald Hill Illy is in his third season as the head football coach at Alabama state. The Hornets are two and two on the season coming off the 23 to 20 victory over Grambling on last Saturday. The Hornets have a bye week as Coach Hill Ely joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Coach Hill Ely? Man, just taking one day at a time. Yeah, no, I hear that. Big win. I mean, you guys with the big win, you bounced back from a loss the previous week, 23-20 to 20 over Grambling. Your, your thoughts on your team's performance? Well, you know, anytime you play a Grambling team uh, that has been at the top echelon of our conference and able to get out with a win and 
I mean, it says a lot, um, you know, for the young men, the program, and where we're going. Um, a hard-fought battle, a back-and-forth game, uh, you know, kicking game on both sides. I had some ups and downs, and it ended up being the result of the game um, that we was able to, uh, you know, get out there with a field goal and, and uh, get out with a win going to the bye week. Yeah, and a big win at that, a conference win um, at that. Talk about the play so far um, this season uh, of your of your quarterback, uh, Kadaris Davis, who is, who's, you know, at least if you look at the numbers, has done a good job. Well, you know what? he I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks uh, that's, that's, you know, that's in the FCS right now. Does a great job for us moving the ball around and his uh uh, percentage rate is great completion rate is good efficiency is good he just makes great decisions with football and that has been allowing us to stay on the field and uh, and continue to move the offense uh, I think right now you know as you look at his growth from where he was last year the couple of games he's played it played is night and day so just glad he's in the program yeah, no question about it. Uh, before we even talk more about um, Alabama State, I want to talk with you about Titus Howard. Of course, your first-round uh, draft pick last year went to the uh, Texans and started two games at two different uh, positions. W- w- what kind of grade would you give him so far this season? Well, he played this weekend, and they've been struggling with not keeping the quarterback uh, clear. And He's played guard, he's played tackle, and he hasn't given up any sacks, so he, he's an A in my book, and uh, after the game, saw him hanging out in the locker room with Snoop Dogg. So I said, you know, <laughs> short dog and tall corn right now. He, <laughs> he is, uh, <laughs> he, he's really uptown and uh, just glad that he's enjoying where he is and just happy for the young. Yeah, no, no question about it. But what, what does that having a player like that? And and uh, before I even ask you that, t- tell me how he. I, I want you to tell us. Like he's told us before, but you know, you essentially. Uh, discovered this young man in terms of uh, being the offensive lineman. He came in as a quarterback, moved to tight end, ultimately to offensive line, ultimately to a first-round draft pick in the National Football League. You know, talk about them and, and the potential that you saw in him to be able to play uh, that offensive line, and, and more specifically, I guess for you, he played tackle. Well, you know, when I got here, you know, like I said, he was just moved from quarterback to tight end, so he was in my room. And uh, he, he was just physical. He could run. He was long, and you know, and we were only playing him like two, three plays a, a down in practice. And I was like, man, the best athlete we have is this kid that's sitting over there on the sideline. We got to find a way to get him on the field. And, and he was like, well, he probably won't play tackle because he, you know, he played quarterback. He didn't want to play tight end. And and then I just pulled him in, and we made a little pack, man. And he decided that he was going to play, and, and now he's in the NFL as a first round. Now, I didn't have that in his projection, but I knew he had the talent to play at the next level. But for him to take on that change and take on that, that new job and to pursue it as, as a first-round draft choice, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's commendable for him. Yeah, what has that meant in terms of recruiting for your program? Everybody calls, want to be the next Titus. Everybody, <laughs> that, that, every walk-on comes in, I'm the next Titus. Every new player that we recruit, I can come, and I think I got the same opportunity as Titus. So our recruiting right now uh, nationally is, uh, has been tremendous. Yeah. Donald Hill Ely, the head football coach 
at Alabama State in his third season. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Obviously a bye week uh, for you all. So what are some of the things that you're going to be working on, uh, particularly have worked on this week to get better for your next contest? Blocking and tackling. Uh, I thought that a lot of the uh, yardage that we've given up uh, defensively is missed tackles. So we have to become better tackles and tacklers and uh, blocking. Uh, you know, we had too many pressures early on in the season on the offensive line. So we have to, you know, fix the scheme and and real, you know, readjust some of this align. You know, some of these players uh, that we have starting, and I think we we've done that and. And, and we're progressing forward as we move into practice tomorrow. Yeah, uh, the, the loss against Kennesaw State, what did you see there? I mean, I, this is a perennial, uh, uh, becoming a perennial power, really more of a, uh, a newer program, um, if you will. But, I mean, they've been to the playoffs the last couple of years. So, you know, what what was it about them in that football game that allowed them to be able to, to win that football game big? Well, you know what? When I look at the second half, and that's all I've watched, you know, the second half it was a 14-7 score, uh, them over us. And and that's what I, you know, I'm telling the, the young men, you don't get to pick and choose who you play against. And and for whatever reason, you know, our our young generation is uh, immediate gratification, and they they are much smarter than us, so – you know, normally we line down and it was an opportunity place and we wanted to win. These guys, they went out with the attitude that why are we even playing Kennesaw State? And they started the game that way. I mean, it was not more of Kennesaw. It was just more of just the mindset that uh, what does this game lead to for us to play? It's not a Tuskegee game where we play for uh, bragging rights and the locality of being close. It's just... We're playing Kennesaw State, and it's like, what does it? What, what's the purpose of the game, Coach? And that's how they play the same the same way that they practice, and the same way that they went through the week. You know, why are we playing these people again? So, I mean, that and and that's one of the things that I take away from the game is that your game, your schedule has to have a purpose and a balance for the goals of the actual program. And, uh, you know, all that stuff was set before we took over the program and before the AD took the program. Uh, so, you know, we, but we still got to finish the course. But as I told the young man, we don't get to pick and choose who we play. We just line down and we play and we play to win. Yeah. You know, I- interestingly enough, you know, Michael Jefferson is a, is a, you know, a, a sophomore for you, wide receiver, um, you know, big time. And, and on one of the conference calls, you, you alluded to to him sort of not that he was that player, but he's a Randy Moss type in terms of build and speed and those type of things. So talk about him and really how he stepped up so far this year, played big time for you. Well, I mean, Michael Jefferson is actually a redshirt freshman because of the four-game rule. The four games he played in last year gave us a chance to save him, and that's the blessing of that rule. And, um, and not only do, and because it's so new to everyone and, and even to our people that's over it, you know, they still have him listed as a sophomore, but he's actually a redshirt freshman. And, uh, that's why I love that rule so much at this level is that we get the chance to play guys that get experience. And now, rather than us waiting to his junior year to be a great player, he's a great player right now. And it didn't cost us a year. Yeah. No, it's a and, good point. Uh, 
He's doing a great job for us. Uh, you know, 6'5", 220 pounds. you got to find out where, you know, know where he is. He's just a remarkable player. Yeah. Of course, uh, Donald Hill Ely's the head football coach at Alabama State, joins us here on the program. So th- this bye comes at the right time, right? Like you're looking at your next opponent uh, who is all Corn State. They've won the East uh, what four or five years in a row? They uh, the game's going to be in Montgomery, so it's a home game for you. So you get an extra week uh, to prepare. The the bye comes at a right time to prepare for Alcorn, who uh, last week's coming off a big win, um, a big win themselves, right? No doubt about it. I mean, we get a chance to get some injuries healed up uh, that we hadn't had a chance to, and and we get a chance to watch the SWAC champions. It's, it's not just the East; they won the SWAC. So we get a chance to go against the SWAC champions at our place, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, for you. So a, a little bit, and I asked you this, uh, alluded to this a little bit, but I mean, what, what for you, and you have a son, it's very, that it was very good to find that out. Didn't know that you have a son that plays at the University of Maryland that starts. Um, so what does, what does that mean? That That's, that's, that's pretty big time. What does that mean for you? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, my son has been with me all the time on HBCU campuses, and and we've been here, and he's visited HBCUs, and you know, he wanted to stay close to home. He wanted to play at a at a higher level than historical black colleges, and I think sometimes this probably was good and and bad with him being with me all the time because he he looks at the you know he he's been right in the front center with me as I'm dealing with. Uh, limited resources and stuff that's going on and, you know, and, and, uh, now he's in a, in a situation where he's probably getting, uh, 1800 to 2200 a month in cost of attendance. He's in a position where he get to play with his friends and, uh, going to school with his friends. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where, uh, you know, when you go and, and, and I go to the University of Maryland, it's, uh, you know that that's FBS football, and and now my son gets to have an experience that he hasn't already experienced as a child of just being with me all the time at HBCU. So right now is another, you know, just an opportunity for it for us to share our talents at a whole nother level. Yeah, no no question um, about that. So for you personally. You know, like I asked, um, you know, I asked one of the coaches a, a couple of years ago in terms of uh, uh, a, a bye week, and one of the coaches said, "Well, I get to cut my, you know, I get to cut my grass." And I know you're always working as a coach. I get that, but I mean, is there anything that uh, that you get to do because of the bye week that you don't ordinarily do from a personal standpoint? Yep, I get to take this grill I got in the backyard. Take that coal I got from a Walmart at a discount or Sam's wherever <laughs> I got it. Put them, put that that little quail I got on the grill with a with a, with a little bit more corn and set back. And I'm, I got a watch party and to watch my son play. And Saturday I'm watching all the black college games that come on anybody television, and I get to be a fan for for 48 hours. <laughs> Sounds good. You said quail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a little quail in the freezer, about to take them on out and and uh, quiet them down a little bit, put them on the back of the grill off the heat. Oof, boy, I'm telling you. 
Man, that is awesome. Donald Hill Ely in his third season as the head football coach at Alabama State joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. The Hornets made a significant, actually re-entered both the boxer row coaches and media polls after the win over Grambling off week or by week this week and going to take on Alcorn State uh, on October 5th in Montgomery. And uh, Coach Hill Ely, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Hornets. Man, I sure appreciate it, Donald, man, and appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on your show and appreciate everything you do for HBCU Sports. Appreciate you, Coach Hill Ely. And uh, Donald Hill Ely, the head football coach at Alabama State, joining us here on the program. We go back a long way um, to when we first started this program. He was the head football coach at Morgan State and had him on the program for years and years and years. That's pretty cool. Um, His son plays for Maryland Where's number 16 and uh, has got some pro potential as a matter of fact. So that's really, really cool to see that uh, Donald Hill Ely's son uh, playing at Maryland, playing in the Big Ten. has got an opportunity. Maryland not playing some bad football currently. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, let's take a look at the Arkansas Pine Bluff and Southern matchup taking place in Pine Bluff on Saturday. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to take a look at the Box to Row National Game of the Week. There were quite a few games to choose from. The game that I feel like is most important and the biggest game is going to be Arkansas Pine Bluff, who is hosting Southern. For Arkansas Pine Bluff, it is it's four, it's going to be the first of four home games for the Golden Lions, who are playing as well as any team in HBCU football. 3-1 and one on the season. Meanwhile, Southern is coming off the loss to Florida A&M. Somewhat of a disappointing loss by the Jaguars was played in Tallahassee before a crowd in excess of 27,000. When I look at this Arkansas Pine Bluff football team, I look at them from an offensive perspective. They've scored 22 touchdowns in four games this season. They haven't played any slouch football teams. They opened the season up against TCU and a respectable game. They lost the game 31 to nine, but it was a respectable football game. You're talking about an Arkansas Pine Bluff team that had 90 points hung on it last year. Forget who the opponent was. They come back a year later and play a conference, a power five team uh, and only lose that game 31 to nine. After that loss, they've won three straight football game so the golden lines are playing tremendously well and it all starts uh, again on the offensive side of the football not that they're playing bad defensively but they're playing pretty good offensively they've got a two quarterback system um, that is definitely working for the golden lions they have a two running back system we talked about taylor porter and certainly what uh, he has the capability of bringing to the table he has brought um, he's doing very well, as a matter of fact, sort of picking up where he left off last year. But one of the young men that we forgot about a little bit and we say forgot about, but was Keyshawn Williams. Now, remember, if you remember, Keyshawn Williams was a guy last year 
for Arkansas Pine Bluffer going back two years ago that led this team in rushing. He had in excess of 700 yards rushing in 2017. So you look at that dynamic of a a two-running back uh, system that has worked very well. As a matter of fact, between both running backs, they have in excess uh, or almost, I should say, 700 yards rushing and eight touchdowns between them. So they're doing an outstanding job of running the football. You look at the two quarterback system, Shannon Patrick, Skyler Perry. Now in talking with Cedric Thomas, the head football coach of the Golden Lions, or as he talked about on the conference call on Monday, Skyler Perry has started every game, but they, they switch between the two quarterbacks and it's working well. Shannon Patrick was the guy that got the majority of the, the snaps and in essence led the Golden Lions to the victory over Tennessee State. Last play of the game last week in Nashville. But when you look at the quarterbacks combined, 12 touchdowns to four interceptions, and they're completing passes in the 60 percentile. So, again, they haven't played any slouch teams this year. All FCS programs, with the exception of TCU, which was an FBS program. So when you look at uh, the Golden Lions, they're getting it done offensively, being led uh, in receiving by Henry Ballard, the third, 20 receptions for 437 yards, five touchdowns. So I've been talking about this this uh, Golden Lions team all year. And, you know, th- this is a game for the Golden Lions. I've been saying it each week. If they want to take that next step, next step, next step, well, they've taken that next step each and every week. Again, three straight wins. But if it, they really want to take uh, the Golden Lions, that next step in terms of conference play, in terms of the SWAC, in terms of being in the upper echelon of the Western Division, in terms of possibly getting back to that SWAC championship game for the first time since 2012 when the Golden Lions win it all, then this is the game. And remember, the game is going to be at home. I suspect that there's going to be a lot of Southern fans in the house, and I expect that that's going to be a big-time crowd there uh, in Arkansas, uh, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. When you look at this Southern team, it's a Southern team that's uh, sort of reeling right now. Again, coming off the loss against Florida A&M, lost to McNeese State. Also, the one victory on the season is uh, was the 61 nothing victory over Edward Waters, which they're supposed uh, to do that. W- one of the things I like about Southern in terms of what I'm seeing from them so far this season is the run defense. The run defense is pretty solid, giving up a little more than 115 yards per game. And that run defense is going to be need to be extra special on Saturday against that two headed monster uh, in the running back position and the problems that Arkansas Pine Bluff definitely presents. So that's one of the things um, is going to be a key to the game is uh, you have a an outstanding running game versus a solid, solid run defense who ultimately is going to win that battle. And, and that's what the game may actually come down to. Can Southern stop Arkansas Pine Bluff from running the football? Um, in the same vein, I tell you what, Southern not doing a bad job of running the football either. A couple of guys can get it done. Christopher Chancey. Uh, Devin Ben 
who a lot was expected from this year, and as he's been doing a good job. And then you also have to account for the quarterback, Ladarius Skelton, certainly in the run game. I think Arkansas Palm Bluff has been doing a good job or a solid job in terms of on the defensive side of the football. Um, I think where what they're going to have, meaning the Golden Lions, they're going to have to get a little bit of pass rush going. Um, Six sacks on the season so far for the Golden Lions, not um, a lot of sacks so far this season. They're going to have to be able to put um, a bit of a pass rush uh, on Ladarius Skelton. He's a guy that can scramble with the football, um, but they're going to have to put some pressure on him. Jalen Stewart has had a, a solid. He, he doesn't have. He has two sacks on the season. Two of the six sacks for the Golden Lions belongs to Jalen Stewart. He also has five tackles. For loss on the season so he's been able to get it done but again I think the Golden Lions are going to have to be able to put some pressure uh, on the quarterback Ladarius Skelton you know hasn't been bad this year he's completing over 60 percent of his passes um, not passing a whole lot but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes he's thrown zero interceptions this year to four touchdowns so you have to be able to account for that and find a way to stop this young man we saw flashes of uh, the potential um, uh, greatness in terms of particularly running the football we saw a lot of that last year um, from Ladarius Skelton um, but you know he's a guy that probably is more dangerous in terms of running the football still I think you got to be able to put a little bit of pressure on him because again when he passes the football he's been effective completing in excess of 60 percent of his passes so I think part of the key to the game uh, this football game is can Arkansas Pine Bluff stop Ladarius Skelton and that run game of Southern uh, on the other side, same thing. On the other side, can Arkansas Pine Bluff stop the running, or can uh, can Southern, excuse me, stop the running game of Arkansas Pine Bluff, which is proven uh, right now? I think that's going to be the key. I think that, uh, again, uh, a, a decent defense overall for uh, for Southern, they're not very good in the pass game, in the pass defense right now. They're not very good at all in the pass defense right now, giving up 200 and se- in excess of 270 yards passing uh, per game. And that is also where Arkansas Pine Bluff excels. I have Arkansas Pine Bluff winning this game, um, taking that commanding lead. Uh, not commanding. It's not going to be a commanding lead if they win. They'd be 1-0. But everybody else um, would have had a loss in the swag and so i think arkansas pine bluff wins this football game over southern and i think it's going to be by a touchdown i think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a 27 to 20 football game and uh and i think if they do meaning the golden Lions, they take an even further step uh to becoming uh I, I, they're legit there's no question about it but when you're talking about winning conference games and you're talking about going back to that SWAC championship game, you got to be able to hold home court against Western Division opponents. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Before we wrap it up, I mentioned uh, in at the opening of the show, I was going to talk a little bit about 
the Redskins. I talked a little bit uh, about them, but I'm going to tell you what. On Monday night, the Redskins honored one of their all-time great players, and London Fletcher, the linebacker, he was he was he really was good when he played. Gave it his heart and soul. Um, an undersized guy coming out of a Division three school, and really played well played for a couple of teams the bills and the rams along the way as well so the redskins honor him on monday night and as they're honoring him up on the the video screen they spell his name f l e uh c t h e r flecked third <laughs> i mean that if that's not a microcosm i mean you're honoring one of your all-time great players, you know, and we all make mistakes. I mean, I make mistakes plenty of times, um, you know, when writing and, and so forth, right? But, you know, you're already doing bad as a franchise. You're honoring one of your all-time great players, and you can't even spell his name right. It is a microcosm. It has nothing to do with, you know, on the field, right? But it's a microcosm of the Redskins as a whole. Uh, can't even uh, trying to do something nice and the right thing to do and can't even do that right it is it is very bad in Washington if if you remember up until if you knew this or maybe you didn't up until last year I believe it was since 1966 the Redskins had sold out every single football game since for 50 years and now you you not only can you buy a ticket easily? But mostly fans from other teams are cheering as loud as Skins fans are. It is pretty bad in Washington, and um, it, it's just a bad situation, a whole bad culture. I, I, I could talk about this for much longer, but I got to get ready to run. Here on From the Press Box to Press Row, thank you to Donald Hill Ely, the head football coach at Alabama State, for joining us on the program don't forget about the scoreboard box to row.com and you can find out who's playing this weekend and the scores from this weekend's game had a game on thursday the game opened week five of the hbcu football season where north carolina a&t defeated delaware state 37 to nothing and always remember to support those that support you from the press box to press row is presented by dw communications The 